Welcome to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast presented by NILA Illinois, the podcast that discusses the policies, regulations, and laws that affect our workplaces, presented primarily from the perspective of employee or plaintiff side lawyers. We are your hosts, Ahmed Bindra and Max Barrett. We are members of the Board of Directors of NILA Illinois, the Illinois chapter of the National Employment Lawyers Association, a nonprofit collection of attorneys who empower workplace rights. And thank you for coming back to Employee to Lawyer. I'm Max Barrick. And I'm Amit Bindra. You still know our names. Today, we are once again speaking with Susan Gotham, who has more than two decades of experience in human resources and recruiting. She currently serves on the National Task Force for Workforce Legislation and was formerly an ambassador for Greater O'Hare Association. What is the National Task Force for Workforce Legislation? That is part of the National Association of Women Business Owners. We have task force for advocacy for a very specific area. So obviously with my interest in HR, I handle items that are workforce related. So many times we see bills and legislation either while it's being written or after it's being drafted and provide feedback. Good for you. That's, Thanks. That's, that's a good pursuit. Last time we mostly spoke about your work in HR. So we kind of want to switch gears this week and talk a little bit about your the other end of the spectrum and your work as a recruiter. How did you land there? I raised my hand. That's really the true story. So I was working for Target in management roles. We lost our HR professional in September. Do you know anything about Target? October is their huge recruitment push for the holidays. And so we needed someone to step in and, and take over that role. And so I simultaneously as a crazy 24-year-old ran two roles at once, which included recruiting and then also my day-to-day tasks of running the clothing department. That seems like a lot for a 24-year-old. So wait, what was your role at Target when you ended up in that spot? Because I know Target does a my memory, because I had a friend who worked there, is that they actually usually, as far as big companies go, they're pretty good about HR. They usually have two different HR folks on staff, that sort of thing. Yes. So we lost our main, which would be like the HR manager. We lost that individual. The support professional was still there. And the support professional really was more focused on scheduling, payroll, those types of activities. But we had no one to do the overall recruiting, making sure all jobs were filled, even you know just the day-to-day coaching and corrective action that needed to happen. Got it. So then when you work with employees as a recruiter, I guess, what are some of the common mistakes you see that are made in that end? Uh, With employees? uh, Yeah, a lot. I think the number one thing though, is they get in their own way, you know, whatever it might be, whether, you know, it's being fearful of change or not being able to communicate well, or getting too nervous or just not asking the right questions or having the wrong idea in their mind, you know, they really get in their own ways. And I think that is just like the number one thing that happens and occurs. Is it a nervousness or anxiety or? It's a combination of a lot of things. You know, sometimes it is nerves and anxiety. You know, the idea of change can be really challenging. Commonly you see, I've had a bad day. I go home and I send my resume out, right? Then I talk to a new employer, so excited, you know, a little bit of change, but then all of a sudden it sinks in that change really is going to happen. Suddenly they get scared, right? Or it might be something where they are so focused on something that's minuscule, like maybe pay or a benefit that they are making bad choices based on the screen of 
those items, which are easily changeable, but it means that there's a lot of, they end up not sticking in roles. The other thing is just not asking the right questions. Oh, and this is, this is the question that always drove me nuts. And this is honestly how I answered it. So they would say, I would ask them, you know, what questions are you going to ask? Or, you know, I would allow them to ask questions. What's the environment like here? Do you want to know what my answer was? 72 cloudy every day with a high chance of UV light, you know, like that kind of thing. And the reason being is that question is so open. I don't know what it is you're looking for when you say, what is the environment like? And this is what employees do because they want to know something specific, like, can I work from home? Or, you know, am I going to be in a lot of meetings? Is my boss hands-on? Is my boss, you know, give me a lot of autonomy? What is it? And every employee has a different want and need, but they don't ask it. And so then they get into a situation and, and then it's not right because they ask this vague question. I'm going to steal that when I'm preparing people for depositions. <laughs> well, it, it's like, you know, you know, you're supposed to ask questions, right? But mm -hmm. you just feel like, well, if I go through the motions and I ask these scripted questions that we've already covered or that, you know, yeah. I don't really understand why I'm asking it or what I'm really trying to accomplish with it, it's mm -hmm. going to come off as superficially as you're asking. Yes. Yes. That's a great answer, though. I, I really appreciate that sarcasm. <laughs> I have a lot. <laughs> Well, so then, yeah, what are the right questions that folks aren't asking? You know, a lot of times it's, in, that's individual based. I think that's part of the thing, you know, what is important to you? Again, you do, I, one of the things that I love asking is a very telling, a couple of telling questions that I ask as an employee, even as an employee, right? Because they just went through the recruitment process is I love to ask, what would you change about this company right now? What I did that once in an interview and yeah. everyone immediately said it was a seven person interview, which was excessive. Mm -hmm. And everyone to a T said the hours and the pay too many hours and not enough pay. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm not, I'm not working there. Um, <laughs> I did not work there. Yeah. The boss sucks. The work environment sucks. The hours are terrible and they pay like crap. Come work with us. And what you're looking for. <laughs> so that's awesome. And then another really great question is what do you wish you knew starting here that you now know, you know, something of that, you know, so some really telling questions, obviously always ask questions that are about things that are important to you. You know, do you care if everybody goes out to lunch every day? You know, is that something that's important to you? Ask that question. If getting to the next level or what the next level looks like for you is really important, ask about that, you know, that type of thing. Find out communication styles with the boss. How do you want to be communicated with? Maybe I'm just too big a fan of the office and remember like all the Michael Scott, like, don't let this happen to you kind of things. But I, I remember when I was in law school, one of the interview, you know, one of the interview questions they would train you with is, you know, strengths, weaknesses, all of that. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to, I, I've always just wondered, like, what are they looking for as a recruiter about what your weaknesses are? Obviously, like saying I have none or my strengths or my weaknesses are that I work too hard, I care too much, and I'm yeah. never living in the office. You, you know, you immediately no. disqualified yourself, but like, what is yeah. an acceptable way to approach that? I'm always been. So as a recruiter, I'm going to teach you how I ask this question as a recruiter to get the answer that I want. And that question is, what is one skill set or experience you don't have you wish you had? Well, that's a good way to put it. Because that's your weakness. 
Or when I train an employee who, you know, is going through the process. And when I say that from my recruiting days, when I had an agency and I was, you know, we train people to get through the process would be, you know, think about what is the skill set that you don't like, or you can't do, or, you know, cause they already know what you can do They And they really almost always already know what you can't do, but articulate that and make it a hard skill, not a soft skill. Because anytime it becomes soft skill, it goes gray. And soft skill is where discrimination happens. But soft skill is also where they just hear something different than you intended. That's the moment where you said blue sky and they heard you red sky. What, so you said discrimination. What do you, so one of the things in our bar that we'll run into, right, is we have employees who for one reason or another are out of a job, right? Maybe they've been mm-hmm. fired. Maybe they quit because the work environment was untenable. For one reason or another, they're, they're out of work and they also find themselves amidst litigation against their former employer. I guess in my head, companies are always going to be leery of somebody they see as litigious or a risk to mm-hmm. sue them. Is there a way you would counsel or you do, or you did, I guess I should say, counsel employees who were in that scenario with how to answer why they're out of work or sort of what's going on in their life that leads to this resume gap? Be upfront. So again, and I will use myself as an example, right? I I just went through the process and I think I, I shared with you why I left my client, my company, right? I, I left my employer because they were asking me to do something that I wasn't comfortable with. And it, it gave me an impression that it was going to continue. So be upfront. You don't have to spill the beans, right? <laughs> and we don't have to go into grandiose details, but, but why though? But uh, yes, <laughs> you know, and, and there can be a point at which, you know, if the interviewer is asking questions that are too deep, that employee can say, I just, you know what, I don't feel comfortable. You know, answering that, can we focus on how you won't do that? Or can we focus, you know, more on where, how I'll be a fit here? And is the idea basically, if the employer is turned off, even by them being upfront in a professional way, then perhaps culturally, it's not a fit anyway. Yeah, culturally, it's probably already not a fit. Now, would I say I left because I'm now suing my, my former employer for discrimination? I probably wouldn't say that. But I would say, hey, we were, we were in a situation where I felt like I was being discriminated against and just didn't feel that my ongoing employment would be beneficial for myself and the company. You brought up something, and I think you've already answered it, but I want to highlight it again. Mm-hmm. How do you recommend employees deal with questions that they really don't want to answer? So one example is kind of what you gave. Another example is sometimes I'll work with folks who they have obligations to a previous employer. There's certain information they just can't talk about, but mm-hmm. they get asked about it in an interview. Mm-hmm. And so they're not entirely sure. How do I navigate that? Yeah. So you know, what I would say is, you know, I, I, I'm not allowed to say that information. It could even be like, I'm contractually bound, right? You, you've signed an NDA. You know, I'm contractually bound by an NDA and I want to uphold the covenants within that. And so I can't share that information with you at this time. I'm, you know... I want to, I want to be respectful of those covenants. And again, too, there are right companies out there that do this. They interview under the guise of an employment opportunity to get confidential information. You feel like above board companies will understand when somebody says, look, I I'd love to talk to you about that, but I've got an NDA or you know what, I've got some legal limits. 
I'm assuming they understand that's just, it's business, right? Like everybody's yep. got their own. Yes. I mean, even so, for instance, when I was hiring within my company internally, I was hiring recruiters. Okay. Every recruiter has a non-compete. Every recruiter has an NDA because we only have two assets in recruitment and that's the talent itself and the clients, right? So, but I wanted still to understand from these potential employees what it was they were capable of and what, what it was they were doing. So, you know, saying, hey, I don't necessarily need to know the name, but I'd like to know the industries, the number of roles you've placed in that type of industry, that type of information. Or I would also ask for financial information and not necessarily that came straight out of their system. And I would be really clear too, don't hit print screen out of your system, but please put together an Excel spreadsheet that demonstrates to me some basic financial information so I know what you're capable of. And that qualifier is really important for your business yes. to protect you from liability. As yes. Well. Yeah. So yeah, that is always something don't, you know, cause you want, sometimes you need that information, right? You want to see, you know, when you're talking about a sales professional, I need to know and understand what your sales process looks like, even from a financial standpoint, because there's a much different financial process or sales process. If you're selling million dollar items versus if you're selling $25 items, but you want to see that and you want the sales professional to be able to demonstrate that. And again, and I always qualify, don't hit prints. Do not hit print screen out of that system. It's going to flag and I'm going to get in trouble. So don't, you know, don't do that. So we talked about this a little bit where employees kind of have to figure out what they care about and they kind of have to figure out the company and where they're working. How do you have an exercise you go through with employees? Is there a process you recommend? Anything like that? Yeah. And I give my own example of how I did this. And so when I left retail, again, this is kind of how I got into recruiting is when I left retail or when I was looking to leave retail, I was trying to determine how I was going to make that move. So my process was to write down all of the tasks that I am capable of, right? And then I started writing down all the things that I enjoy. And then I wrote down what types of roles I wanted to do. And when I started finding, right, the patterns and the things that linked up, that's, and so that's what I tell employees, like, write down everything that's important to you. Write down the tasks you want to do. Write down the tasks you don't want to do. That's also part of that, right? If there's something you don't want to do, don't do it. Because you're never going to like your career and you're never going to move forward if you're stuck doing something that you just don't want to do. How do you recommend employees kind of vet a company? Because I think when you're interviewing with someone, if you don't ask the right question, you're not going to get the right answers. Also, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to really get a gauge of a company based on a couple of interviews. So what recommendations do you have there? Well, we're so lucky these days to have social media. So, right. We're so lucky to have that. You know, I think about when I first started my career and social media didn't exist and you're trying to figure this out. So social media is a good place, but steer away from the glass doors of the world, the, um, even like the reviews on Indeed, because again, maybe it has some good information and maybe it doesn't, but again, it's like Yelp. If you've had a really bad experience in a restaurant, you're writing something really bad and you've had something way extraordinary, you're going to write something good. 
but just the average run of the day, you're not going to do something. And that's the same thing a lot of times with these, you know, online sites or also catch this pattern because I caught an employer doing this. All of a the sudden there was like 25 reviews all done within like two weeks of one another. Well, duh, I, you know, I, I know right after a negative review. Yeah, either right after a negative review, or in this case, it was as they were looking to be acquired, you know, so yeah, huh, wow, timeline, I figured that one out. So it is, you can use that, but I think when you're looking at social media, go to their LinkedIn page, see what they're doing, see what's happening in the organization. If things like contributing back to the outside community are important to you, Either you're asking that in the interview or you're trying to find that out either through their website or through social media. I think that's really important. Asking people, like just ask, like I've always left that door open to all candidates. And remember like day in and day out, I talk to thousands of people and I ask them about their job. So I might have some insights about a few companies. So, you know, just finding somebody to ask some questions of is really good as well. Also judge the interview process. I tell clients, I tell my, my employers, I'm like, we're being judged on this. And that's a good indicator. You know, how are they treating you when you walk in? How do people look? What's happening? If you ask to do a tour and they're like flat out refusing, now, sometimes it might be like, hey, we only had three to four to meet with you. It's it's 358. We can't accommodate that, but we can do it another time. It's fine. But if they're really refusing to show you around or show you anything, that, that's probably a good red flag. Or even who's interviewing you. Right. We, I think, have somewhat of an annoying process, but it's done by design where because we're a smaller office, support staff will be part of the interview process because the culture matters and everyone has to get along with each other. Yes. And I always say this, remember this, the receptionist, she's telling on you, she or he is telling on you. Well, I, 100%. I, and, and I, full disclosure to the listeners, I snuck away from, but so I didn't hear all of it, but I think you can tell a lot of per, about a person about how they treat support staff or the people they don't think they need because A, they're people too, and you should just be a kind person, but B, if they're not going to respect the people that are going to work, you know, theoretically beneath them, then you don't want them in your organization. And this yeah. is a rule of thumb I, I always say to young attorneys who are going to court, be very nice to the law clerks, the non-judge people in a courtroom, because mm -hmm. sometimes they're the most important people in the room. And again, yeah. you should just be a good person. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you one other trick that I love to do to test a company. Go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Check out the bathroom. Oh, for sure. Because if you're going to be there what, eight what are to we five. Looking, what are we looking for in the bathroom, Susan? I want it to be clean. And Everything. because a clean bathroom tells you two things. Number one, employees respect the company. And so they respect property and they're going to keep a bathroom clean. Number two, if employers respect their employees and they respect, you know, what's happening, they're going to make sure the bathroom's clean because that is management 101. Your employee bathrooms are clean. That's such an interesting, Wow. You have some really, it's almost like you know what you're doing, Susan. You have some very <laughs> cool tricks of the trade. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> have, have you done this for a while? I mean, like, what's the deal? <laughs> I Googled it. <laughs> hey, this is Ahmed and Max. Thanks for listening to Employee to Lawyer. I hope you're all enjoying the show and the content and all of our guest stories. And we'd love your help in spreading news about Neil Illinois and the show. Please encourage your friends and family to subscribe and share. And if you happen to listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a nice review. 
but only if it's going to be a five-star rating. Yeah, otherwise we're all set. Do you feel like social media has now been around for a long time? I'm going off script a little bit, but I remember early on when I was in law school, college, what have you, it was a big like employers are just sort of figuring out how social media works. It's an easy way to find somebody. Has that changed at all over the last 10 years? Because I think now it's so prevalent and almost everybody at least of a certain age or below is on social or, or over is on social media now. Do employ Has that changed over the last decade how employers sort of view social media? Yeah, in multiple ways, right? So, you know, you think about things that transpired in the last year and you think about, and especially when I think about things that relate to diversity and inclusion and equity, and you think about activities where people were posting things on their personal social media and then losing their job. So that, you know, when I think about that, that was not something that was prevalent a decade ago. Where now I'm writing policies around that. We're making decisions around that. You know, sometimes employers make employment decisions around what somebody's social media looks like. Guess what? You have the right to do that. Better be, again, you better be consistent about that. I think the other thing is, is that employers are starting to realize that they're being checked out by future employees. And so that also um, plays a role in how they're going to be treated, as well as the quality of candidates that they're able to attract. You're not going to attract an A player with no social media. It's just, it's not going to happen not. And so those kinds of things, you know, and then also social media, you know, drives SEO. And so that's just so important as well. I think also social media creeps in as far as how do we balance it correctly during the day and, and those kinds of things. So I'm going to date myself. Well, maybe not too much, but in 2008, I was an intern in DC, just working for a politician, but I, I met a bunch of people who were working in the white house at that time. And they said on day one, what they did was they put everyone's Facebook photos on a slideshow. And it was not positive Facebook photos. It was all the negative ones. And that's just what they did for two hours. For each person, they brought up those pictures. And that, to me, has just stuck with me ever since. Right. I My rule of thumb has always been, if I wouldn't tell a stranger about this, po- this picture, I'm not putting on Facebook. But it's on the internet, Susan. That doesn't count. It's just, you know, social media. That doesn't, right. That's not real life. Right, right. No, well, I get that. The other recommendation I make to a lot of people is just Google yourself. See what pops mm-hmm. up because that's yeah. what an employer is probably going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. So one other question I wanted to ask about recruitment and advice you give to employees, and you kind of alluded to this before, which is, you know, what are terms that sometimes they're not negotiating that they should be? Vacation, there, there's always flexibility time around vacation, whether it's kind of like in a bank that we don't talk about, right? Or, or that, that, I think that is definitely something that people don't negotiate. They also don't negotiate their shift, you know, when they're starting work, when they're ending work, they, they don't talk about that on the front end. And then all of a sudden they fall into this and they're navigating their life around that. I think those are like the best things that you can negotiate. Again, now a key thing that everybody's negotiating is ability to work from home and that flexibility. Because unfortunately Uh, benefits, we can't negotiate. Everybody's going to negotiate salary. Let's be real. We all negotiate it. I'm not, you know, so, but benefits, unfortunately, that like the true hard and fast benefits are very hard to negotiate. It's very hard to make changes on that just because those are, 
those are regulated and they have, you know, policies and guidelines that you have to adhere to. So, so Susan, before we go today, do you have any fun war stories that you can share with us or maybe I not do, so fun, but war stories? And to make this fun, I'm going to let you choose. I love this. Choose your own adventure. Yes. It's like goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about this. So trouble at the Puerto Rican parade, the ringleader, but I didn't do it. I'm going to let Max pick. Oh my God. But I didn't do it because I'm a shaggy fan. (laughs) It's one of the greatest songs of all time. Yes. (laughs) This is, this is, this is a, a true story. This comes from when I had my company, I had, it was in staffing. I had an employee working at a client and she was caught on camera falsifying her timesheet. So they time and date stamped her and, and realized that she was falsifying her timesheet. When we questioned her about what she was doing, she said, well, I deserve it. They're not paying me well enough. So this is how I'm getting my, the compensation I deserve. I give her credit for having an answer, even if it was a bad one. Right. She thought it through. But okay. But now you piqued my interest. So I want to choose, uh, choose your own adventure. Number two, can we have the ringleader story as well? So this was, uh, this goes back to working in a big box retailer and needing to hire for the holidays and when I was working at a big box retailer, I was also part of a mall at the time. And so we had um, mall hiring events where like literally the, you know, this one Saturday, every store would have a table out in front of its store and, and people would come and interview. And again, to preface this, this was a 2001, 2002 time period. So at that point, there was a lot of talent available. If you can remember the economics of the time, so it was pretty easy to do this. Well, there was a a group of people that found high schoolers and made friends with them. And I want to, I want to very much say there was no social media at this point. And they found high school girls to work at the mall during the holiday season, whose whole job was to work as cashiers, steal credit cards and take them and give them, hand them over to this ring of people who were using stolen credit cards. So they encouraged wow. these children to get jobs mm-hmm. as a means of stealing credit cards. Yes. As a means to do federal crimes. As a means to do federal crimes. And so what, and they taught them like, you know, do it during the holiday season. They always targeted somebody that had children, lots of packages, that kind of thing that they got distracted. And so then, but immediately they would take the credit card and they would, you know, go into the mall, hand it over to the ringleader and come back to work. So wow. how was this, how was the great mall ch- child credit card thief caper of 2001 unraveled? Well, the organization that I worked for had really high level technology when it came to security. And uh, this person didn't realize that they were on camera and like really on camera, which is very odd because part of our tour of the store is a show of all the cameras, how they all work and what we can capture. This is like a very bad version of Bad Santa. (laughs) Yeah. And so, but what was happening was the police were getting multiple calls about 
and they were able to identify that this was happening. But the person that worked for my store was a songbird. She told everything. What, what happened to the kids? So because they were under age, it was a lot less of, you know, crimes. What happened with the other individuals? You'll, I guess, have to ask the Niles police what they did with those individuals. Ooh, it was at Old Orchard. Mm-mm. No, it was not. It was at Gulf Mill. Well, now we have to do option A. Now, <laughs> option A is the one that everybody loves. This is, this well, is why like. Why did you lead with that, Susan? She kind well, of did. It was option A. Yeah. But maybe yeah. she was bearing the lead. How am I supposed <laughs> to know? Clearly, right. I'm a terrible poker player. <laughs> so this is i think one of the the ones that is like the most entertaining and i give the most credit for creativity so again prior to bay on the box i always say that because uh, i work in hr when i was working in staffing I, usually during the pre-screen phase we would say it's something to the effect of all of our current employers are requiring that you are able to pass a background check are you able to beat this requirement and a lot of times you'd hear, well, you see, so then always, you know, I put that on speaker that always went on speakerphone for everybody else to hear. Cause I always knew that there was going to be a story, but this is my ultimate favorite story of what of creativity, because I don't really know what transpired. So the story went as follows. I was at the Puerto Rican parade in Pilsen and they had floats, right? I've seen Max's face. I'm dying. I can't look. So they have floats and they said, and then he stated like Mardi Gras, they were throwing favors off of the floats, but on this particular float. And because I was looking up at the floats, they were throwing off bags of cocaine and one one of those bags of cocaine. Accidentally accidentally ended up my nose because I respect this one a lot actually the creativity I really do because I was looking up at the float and the police officer saw from the corner saw me in the crowd out of the corner of his eye as this bag went up my nose the bag of cocaine went yes. up this person's nose. Yes. Went a it bag opened of- midair and went up this person's nose. It didn't even open. No, the whole bag. Oh, I see. The sealed dime bag. Well, then the, there's no problem. <laughs> I have so many questions that we will never get the answers. And this we comes, this never- is off the fly. You ask this question and off the fly, this whole story is ready to go. This whole story is ready to go so and then I questioned well was anybody else arrested no I was singled out what happened to all the other bags of cocaine that that came off of this float I have no idea and what about the people throwing cocaine off the float right what happened to the float did the float continue down the parade oh yeah they kept throwing cocaine how many I'm assuming this story has been told many times by this individual. You were not the first. And so now I'm trying to contemplate how many times, how long it took to create the story and the narrative. Maybe it's true. It can't have possibly ever worked. The logic doesn't even- The like, physics doesn't work. The physics doesn't work. The cop arresting the person who the bag of Coke went up their nose magically and not the people throwing bags of cocaine off the float. 
who yeah. are on a float and very easy to stop and catch. Oh my right. God. And then I, I even asked, were you in the front of the crowd? No. That was like even the best because I thought, well, maybe he was at the front of the crowd. Like that's how he got it. No, I was in the middle. So how did the police officer see you out of the corner of his eye? I don't know. He has eagle eyes. Well, was like he super tall? No, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, you know, probably. You know. it's like Tommy Lee Jones and the fugitive. It's just, you know, <laughs> they were looking for one specific cocaine nose. And I, I, I don't even, I mean, wow. I mean, I, this, this is my ultimate favorite. Like everybody loved, this is like the party trick story. It's great. Because you know what? I'm glad I'm glad we waited to the last for that one because that was clearly the best of the three. And it I, was. I feel they escalated. They got better and better each story. Yes. Yes. And these are like these are like, you know, scratching the surface of <laughs> I suspect if we get if we get a beer and and turn the recorder off, you might have some good ones. Oh, yes, most definitely. I always joke with people as if you're at a networking event and there's alcohol at the networking event. Go find the people in the corner because those are the HR people with alcohol sharing the bad stories. Because <laughs> we great. have them all and we love to share them with one another. And speaking of that note too, I when I was in recruiting and you guys can take this or leave it, I used to always tell my candidates that recruiters talk. We go to the bar because we're stressed and we tell stories. We may not say names. We may not say companies, but we tell stories. Don't be my story. That I'm was like- that's something i want to tell my clients don't be my story (laughs) don't be my story do not be my story on that note susan remind us how people can find you uh you can find me on linkedin susan gotham you can also find me uh at susan.gotham at gothamprofessional.com and i I do have a shout out of the week for this one to your husband he's been traveling across the country setting up the van gogh exhibits it's really cool. If you haven't done it in Chicago already, highly recommend it. But he's been to Dallas, Phoenix. It's really cool. Yes. And if you haven't got, got your, I will do one shout out. If you haven't done your, gotten your vaccine, please do so that live events can continue to happen. We should, we should probably start repeating that every week. Yes, actually. <laughs> That's a great That's idea. A point. Susan, we have to have you back more often because clearly you're filling in a lot of things. Amit and I are just blatantly missing here. <laughs> no, I'm happy to come back. I'm happy to be a resource and I'm happy to share great stories. All right. We'll have to have you back for like an all-star episode of best, uh, best stories or something if we make it that far. It's like rapid fire. <laughs> Susan, thank you so much for coming on and telling us these awesome stories, giving us a different perspective on things and just being a, a wonderful guest. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity and look forward to future conversations. Thanks to everybody at home for listening. Please subscribe and share. Our podcast is intended to provide general overviews of employment law. The statements and opinions provided in this podcast are just that, the host opinions. We are not your attorney. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship, and it's not intended to provide specific legal advice. For legal questions, please consult with an attorney.